0: Hi there. In this episode we talk about issues of trauma, domestic violence, gender-based violence. Whilst we don't talk about it in graphic detail, it's something we discuss. So if this is a sensitive or difficult area for you, I don't want this to be triggering in any way. So I'm just giving you a heads up before we proceed. Okay, let's start the show. a musician, songwriter, producer and composer. I also teach. I'm fascinated by process, how we make what we make, why we make what we make. As a musician, I'm always learning from and inspired by other creatives, other musicians, artists, the arts itself, people, in short, life, all inform the music I make. And I think that learning from others enriches not only our own art, but the art's. And why holding up the ladder? Well because we're all trying to get somewhere and I think we build something stronger if we help each other, if we hold up the ladder rather than pull it up from under us as we climb. I'll be talking to all kinds of creatives about process, lessons learned, things that inspire us, the music we're listening to, what makes us who we are and the help we've had along the way. So join me as we climb, Holding Up The Ladder. Welcome back to the second part of my conversation with South African photographer, Leroy Jason. If you haven't listened to part one yet, here's a quick recap.
1: I once when I was young, I I, like everyone else had to do set work on Shakespeare. right? Mm -hmm. And I realized that Shakespeare's characters were ordinary men that he just gave power to, you know, so I realized that when I photograph my subjects, I need to make sure that they are, they need to see themselves as powerful in order for my viewers to want to nitpick who they are as, as an individual, and also just recognize God in,
0: in them. It's worth taking a listen so you get a sense of Leroy, his work, his values, and how we ended up having our meandering conversation. Meandering not in the sense of being directionless, but more in the sense of the kind of conversations you have with someone when you go for a long walk or at a long dinner when wine is flowing and you're moving from subject to subject. I've also shamelessly added my own music in this episode, but I promise there is a context to it. In part one, I try to get Leroy to tell me the music he's listening to. I did the same in this episode, but to be honest, I never did manage to pin him down. What music are you listening to right now?
1: Um, right now, I'm listening to a lot of r because I've just come out of a breakup.
0: So R&B uh, to make you feel good?
1: r and I mean, also just like to put a lot of things in context. I mean, nowadays r versus the Golden Oldies is two different r right now. Uh, the r today kind of is very... It's soothing. It's so soothing in the sense that it's about self-preservation, you know, instead of trying to get your lover back or, <laughs> <you know? laughs> it's more about like saving one's soul versus trying to save another, you know.
0: Yeah, it's un- Okay, give me an example of some of the current r and that you're listening to that's like that. Uh, scissor is that okay yeah 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 uh,
1: like Janae. um oh
0: Janae aiko
1: aiko um there's a there's a bunch of artists like like these i mean there's um, uh elaine which is south african but but now that you say that you're a musician have you ever have you ever tried using images to inform songs sorry I know I'm not meant to
0: ask questions mate. no you can't well I mean I only the way I write is by seeing so I usually I will have some images in my head and then I'll write from them and as I'm writing I have a whole visual in my head a whole story going on and that's how I write or sometimes like the most recent thing that I released I watched a film called Loving about this American interracial couple in America and the film moved me, it's it a Jeff Nichols film called Loving and it moved me so much that I just wrote a, a song about it. I'm scared, she said, me too, he wanted to say, but instead he wiped away the tears from her face. With the other hand he wiped away his own What if it only has weight when it's fought for What if it needs to be won What if the weight must come to test the depths of the root What if quietness isn't doubt What if quietness is resolute So I tend to write by seeing, I, I can't, um, sort of just write from thin air. I have yes. to, like yesterday I was cycling home and it, like here in September, August is what seems to be wet for whatever reason in London. And then September is kind of, it's, is kind of warm, but it gets cool at night and I was cycling home and, I saw these swallows flying and then the sky was this sort of indigo. And it was a little bit chilly, but not too chilly. And I just came home and started writing a song. Like that's how I write. So if that answers your question.
1: Well, I had intention with that question. Um, because I really want to collaborate with a musician on this body of work. Because I've just, and like I said, I've just done f- fabric and then I'm mm-hmm. turning, then I'm, I'm Collaborating with sculptors to create sculptures out of these images, mm-hmm. and I've always thought about what would it what would it seem, what what would it feel like to go to an exhibition, um, a musician and a, a, and a photographer come together, and you obviously be informed by the images that you see and create a uh, music to that visual and that emotion. Because, I mean, as an artist, that's what you do. You connect emotion to whatever instrument or, or medium that, you, you, that, that you're being blessed with, you know? Um, and I just thought, I mean, I would love to give you like a series, because I love what you did with that dog thing, right? Oh, no,
0: the singing dog. <laughs> oh the yeah, just, just for people who won't have seen this, someone sent me a video of this dog singing with this kid, and I was yeah. like, this dog is singing chords, and so I wrote some music to this singing dog that was like singing in M minor. Was, I, it was just kind of yeah.
1: But the way you the way in what, which you found your notes for the dog was also just incredible. This is like um I, I just I, I enjoyed I enjoyed watching that, and I just thought, how would you translate? Images into sound, you know? Um, and, and what would that feel like as an exhibition? Um, you know, if, because I've always wanted to have earphones. So I record most of my environments when I'm photographing. Mm-hmm. Just to, I have thought one day people would just like put earphones on and listen to what I hear. But ideally, I, I later on just thought it was stupid and I deleted the whole thing. Um, but I would want to replace that with like music that has been geared to, to that emotion mm.
0: right? and, and,
1: and, and helps people just kind of transcend.
0: Yasin Bay did, I think, did an exhibition just like that. So you go and you listen to, there were images and you have headphones and you go and you look at the images um, and the, the music responds to the image that you're looking at. But a lot of, I mean, this stuff is all, without getting all like esoteric. But with kind of, it's kind of physics, really. But everything is vibration. And I know, you know, you have people that are, have synesthesia, so they can, they sometimes even smell smells release colors and and sounds release colors. It's all like crazy. So they'll hear a, they'll hear a particular sound that will always be like the color green or something. So I'm sure. Um, I'm sure there's a way. So we're going with Scissor and Jenny Aiko. Those are the people that you're listening to. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on.
1: That's, not, that's not all I'm listening to. So I'm just like, I'm, I'm feeling my way around. Like is, I'm constantly listening to new music every week. That's mm-hmm. that's what I do. It's, it's a, it, music informs the way in which I photograph as well. Um, Scissor, I would say that because there was that new song that she just dropped called Different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's kind of how I feel when I'm alone. And I'm
0: oh. <laughs> and I shouldn't uh, laugh. I don't know why I'm laughing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, well, you know, it's, you know, matches of the heart always are such a strange space. Yeah? I think that's where the artistry kind of exists. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, what was I going to say? I don't know if one can make stuff and be and disengage oneself from it i think if you're if you really care about what you're making you are putting yourself in it so if the self that you're feeling is happy then that goes into if the self that you're feeling is heartbroken i mean i have many heartbro- heartbroken songs no one would hear them that's my catharsis i write them and then put them to the side Do
1: you know and, that is that That is all the work that I've ever created when I was in my lowest of low, that is actually what everyone rather gravitates towards than all the pretty stuff. You know, we always try, especially as photographers, we always try and recreate the same thing that we just already shot. Mm-hmm. like yeah, there's a problem where you shoot something once and then you just try and recreate it constantly but you already had it in the first frame mm. but then you just still keep clicking and you should stop clicking but yeah and um and then I realized the more honest you are as an artist the more people relate to them mm.
0: Mm. you know I think that's true I mean I mean that is my theory about why Adele is so successful successful is because she is the, one of the most honest artists around. She just sings what she, what she feels, you know. That song, Hello, had over a billion views. There is something that she, she knows how to do, where you feel like, and I've heard other people say this, whether or not you like her music, I think they're separate things, that you can love her music or not love her music, but you can't say she's not honest.
1: I don't understand. I would love to hear the stuff that you try to discard because oh, honestly, no
0: one will
1: it. I know you also don't want to be typecast as an artist to kind of create because sometimes you know even with photography, it's it, it was something that you can't deny. Some things that God has given you, mm-hmm. and in order for you to fulfill your your artistry correctly, if that's the subject matter, then
0: yeah,
1: it, it is the subject matter for that time. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be like. I mean I did it so it's the fact that people can just find, they find themselves in that emotion but they can never really verbalize it or mm-hmm. yeah. put it in a song.
0: Yeah, no and I think that's true. I think sometimes, and I've heard people say this about musicians that sometimes they are singing the song with the words that they needed to be expressed, but they couldn't find the words to express them. But I, I mean, it's funny, I, I don't subscribe to that thing of, like they often say, you know, musicians, when they're like depressed, that's when they write their best stuff. I, I don't, fun- I need to be at peace and feel well in myself to create. So if I'm distressed, I start, obviously I like, I might write to let it out. But I don't think it's good work. Who's the judge of that? Me. You know, it's my
1: music. <laughs> I know, right? So, so I could never choose. I could never choose my own images. Do you know the stuff that, like, if I show you, if I take photos of you and I give you the, the images that I particularly think are creative, uh-huh. that I should be discarded, uh, nine out of ten times you would probably want to choose that versus what I've given you. Yeah. Because you're so emotionally attached to something Absolutely. that you don't really see the value in what has been created and sometimes that's why i say, who is the judge of that you should maybe give it to someone else to judge
0: and and so here's here i i agree i think they work in tandem so i think when you make something the moment you put it out there it doesn't belong to you anymore and it's why I actually had, because I actually, a friend of my mum's, she's an artist, she was, we were talking about, you know, the meaning of songs or something. She said she doesn't like to know, she doesn't want the artist to tell her what the song means, because she likes to find her own meaning from it. So I rarely now, and all my songs, I know the root of them, like why I wrote it, who, was, who it was for, what it was about. And for the most part, like except like I say the the one about loving because it was so specific I don't now say I don't give the details because I actually realize when you release something it's up to the listener or the viewer or the person experiencing it to you know enjoy it or not enjoy it however they want I don't want to tell you how you must experience my work however I do have the 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 choice and the free will to say uh, this bit is for me Like I have some songs that are so personal that I'm like, I don't know if I should release this because it's so like, you're, you're, you're going to learn who I really am. And I'm not sure that that is something everybody needs to know. However, sometimes, so I think, you know, that's, but however, maybe a few people are. So I I mean, look, this is my choice. I, I, I don't know, but I, I think when at the we... end, sorry, go for it. No, no,
1: no. I I when... I want you to finish because I want
0: to... no 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 so I was going to say so for example your photograph If you were going to take 10 photos of me for example I wouldn't want to be and it's for your exhibition or it's for your work I feel like you're the one that decides which of the pictures you want to use not me even if I say like something else if however you have taken the pictures of me for a project of mine then I feel like there should be maybe some compromise where we meet in the middle where I'm like, well, actually I prefer this one. But if it's your stuff, I think you're the one that should decide. So what, what is,
1: what is the big fear of exposing one's true self?
0: I would say, I don't, I do not believe you can have 300 best friends. I think you have, three very very close let's say three three close people that really know you right i don't there is some there's some work there's some stuff that i've written that maybe i'll show three people i'm not going to show 300 people <laughs> that's just my my because i don't i don't write i try and be authentic in everything that i'm making i have to i have to feel it and that doesn't mean like i, I write music for other people for other projects that aren't about me per se but they're still authentic. But I think if I'm like writing some of the songs that I've written, I mean, like, uh, I've written, I wrote one song, I will wait that is like a poem and is very personal and people seem to really respond to it because it's terribly romantic, but it's still not as deep as some of the other ones I've written. I'm like, nah, only a small group of people, because I, I don't believe everybody has the right to experience you intimately i don't i think only people that are safe get to do that and that's my you know that's my thought um i don't i mean what about you do you feel like
1: but but you know there's there is the association of what you've created
0: Mm -hmm.
1: the physical you yes yeah every day um sometimes i also don't understand what what i'm trying to understand is which you haven't answered when I said to you, what is the, why? <laughs>
0: why what? Why,
1: why do you, why do you feel like you should limit the work that comes through you
0: uh-huh.
1: to three people I don't understand how you, I mean, you could have three friends, if not even not, no friends. Mm. You know, um, but the work that you produce um, could assist because the thing is, you don't realize that the work you produce as an artist actually helps and can help somebody else. Just the mere fact that they understand that there's somebody out there in this world that feels exactly how I feel, but I, I just don't know how to express it. You know, if you see it from that perspective, I understand you being friends with three people and exposing yourself to three people Mm -hmm. or whatever um, physically but Mm -hmm. the words and of the melody or the uh, composition that you put out there is a is something that yes it might people you know people don't really care about you exposing yourself if Mm -hmm. you put it lightly Uh, you would expose yourself but no one will ever remember it as you can't be too, too attached to the idea that you're exposing yourself and they'll remember you for that. <laughs> well, the world forgets. The world forgets. There's something else to worry about tomorrow, you know? Yeah. Uh, but but whatever your contribution was drove the, 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 the thought uh-huh. or that, that thinking process in a certain direction. That's why... Wonders are important for a whole genre of music because it changes the course of a of style of, of thinking, you know.
0: I, I think what you're saying is really interesting and I, I think it's up to people to decide because whilst no one will know, I'll know, you no, know right? what I mean? And I'll that's my,
1: know. That's my frustration, my, my father's like this, right? He's sitting with archives that I'm just like, why are you, why are you hiding this from the world? What I mean, what was the point of even taking it then? Why, why would God give you such an amazing opportunity, hmm. and and you would wanna you would wanna be selfish and instead of sharing your this this gift, which was never meant for you in the first place, uh-huh. um, you know, and and that's the same reason why I think you know I was having. I mean, i in a discussion with a friend of mine where, where you realize when, when when you have discussions with God and God could have placed this gift in anybody else. They, God chose you for that, you know, and, and and it's it's also your birthright to make sure that it's not about you. Because my dad must always put a price tag to the work. He's like, now that shit has to be like this much for me to actually ever expose my these images and for me i'm just like but you know what li- what will live forever because he's also very big on immortalizing himself like he wants to wants to live forever and how do you choose to do that by hiding all of the treasures
0: i like i say i hear you but i, I think and i i really think it's a personal thing and you have to know your why because i i, I believe gifts are meant to be shared but not everything is. I just don't, I don't think so. And I think you can share and your gift can be experienced by people understanding that once it's out there, like I said, it's not yours anymore. Sure. Um, but you still, I, I believe in, in creating safe spaces for yourself, whatever that looks like. Cause there are some people that are very free to share themselves and they're so, so, so open and they share everything um, and other people aren't, and I think, I, I think that's that's your choice. I mean, I, I and for me, it's not. I mean, it's interesting what your dad says. In many ways, I suppose your dad, you know, bearing in mind the era that he was in, the work that he was making that really is speaking to history and it's speaking to how a country was through his eyes. I can understand his desire, I guess, to immortalize his work, but I don't. I don't have that need I, I don't feel like um it, it's it's but it's actually quite weird for me because I trained as a lawyer so my des- and yes. I'm actually yeah a human rights lawyer and I'm actually quite a kind of an introvert I, I don't performing is a funny thing for me I don't love being on stage um it kind of like I see artists I'm like that person is a performer My favourite thing is to make, like my favourite part of the musical process is actually writing songs. And I'm just, where you have something, you have nothing and then you make something with it. Like this thing that you have in your head, that you hear in your head, you make something. You're like, oh, it's a song now. And then like I was recently with my band and we were making some music and to hear the stuff that I have in my head being played, I was almost weeping. Not because I was like, this is so amazing. It wasn't it wasn't like that sort of thing it was that you can have something inside that other people are interpreting back to you and they're interpreting back to you what you heard and that just blew my mind but I don't feel this need for like to be known or all of that like if if it were a possible to just make stuff and nobody knew like I kind of like Sia does when she was wearing that wig with thing <laughs> and nobody saw you know, the singer Sia and she had that wig and nobody saw her face but yeah I don't know like I say I think you you have to know what you're comfortable with and why you want to do bear in mind so like even as a photographer you have your images but you although you are in the image you are not in the image you know obviously we've just spent how long talking about your work obviously your values are transmuted or translated into these images but it's not like thousands of self-portraits of leroy jason like you know what i mean
1: yeah I think that's the uh, great thing. I think that's the one thing that I, you caught me there because I don't, I don't want my face to be my work. I need my work to be my work, you know? and I think with musicians, they it's unfortunate that you know they have to use their faces to sell their work. But and that's and that's why I was I was purely just speaking about the message behind your work, um, yeah. not, not necessarily how famous it is, but but just putting those, like, really heartfelt moments just mm-hmm. out into the universe. I know it's it's a tough, because I remember, I remember my first four exhibitions that I ever did, it really did feel like that, because I'm an introvert, and I just recently, not recently, but I've learned to become an extrovert based on being at events and photographing, and I had to, like, speak to random people and just, like, be energetic and choose small was really like small talk to kind of keep yeah, things going yeah, yeah. which i hate um but when i did that exhibition i just i felt exposed i felt like all of me is just being criticized and and unpacked and people would see the fact that i'm not learned in this and i'm taking a chance or like i'm not I, you know, um, I've got all these weaknesses that, that come with Then I just thought, you know, this work that I created wasn't, wasn't uh, to boost my ego. It wasn't for my selfish pleasure of feeling great about myself. It was work that I needed to do uh, to make other people feel like they're okay, that they uh, are accepted, that what is happening in their surroundings is not right and they can start speaking about them. Mm. Uh, Because the thing is, our society needs healing. And and when we are in that darkest moment, hungry for healing and producing that work, that's what people associate themselves Mm. with. That's what they, they find themselves related to.
0: it's so interesting what you're saying about the healing and I and I you know I'm gonna round us up but I'd love you to talk a little bit more about that because when I have been in South Africa you know I live in you know I go back and forth one of the things that struck me particularly the last time I went and I for whatever reason I was around men a lot is that I could feel I was like my god these people have gone through so much trauma and I could see that there was nowhere for them to process it, and and it, it it's always been such a tension for me because when I think about and actually I was talking about this with a friend of mine who's also a man but he's Sudanese but he spent time in South Africa and we were talking about you know this a, a woman that had got raped and all murdered and it was just awful and we were both saying you know the South African men I know are such tender people they're such gentle men and then when you think the stats are like this and so we were just trying to work out but then the the more i have delved there is just so much trauma and um i started a project last year on masculinity and i started interviewing lots of men about just how they live in their bodies and all of them well a large number of them spoke about therapy and having access having a space to process their trauma um and they, but they live here. And in South Africa, I was like, where are, where are people? So you see people that just drink and drink and drink, and then, or, or they try and um, anesthetize themselves or comfort themselves by just having sex with people like women all the time. And it made me, and, I was, and it actually made me really sad. And I thought, God, like you say, this, this country needs a lot of healing. But when you understand the history, um, you know, when I went, I've, talk, talk I've been talking to my dad a lot during lockdown. Of the stories that he's recounting that would have happened 20 30 years ago, he was telling me about rubbernecking where they used to put tires around people's neck and just set the secret police would just set fire, you know, all this stuff that he remembers. And so, I understand why you know this level of trauma, but people need healing from it. But where do people go for it? So, I'd love you to just perhaps touch a little bit on your thoughts about that as a South African man? Yeah,
1: you're right, we do need a lot of healing. I'm, yeah, I'm currently going through healing on my own where i just realised that I'm just reactive. And um, emotionally, we just, we haven't established institutions, or there are institutions, but they, they haven't been made um, or taught to us that it's okay to go into spaces like that, like therapy, and people always just try and choose to go to church, you know, and use religion to kind of cover the blanket over themselves uh, instead of trying to heal correctly. But I that's why I've turned my my eye into the arts and use that as an institution for healing um, and having people to verbalize and speak about their own personal journey without feeling like they would have to huddle in a group in order for their voices to be heard. Mm -hmm. Um, I really try and push the idea of individualism and and strengthen the the argument around that versus trying to group people. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're right, there's a lot of healing that's needed. We need a lot of healing and I need a lot of healing. you now um but but i think that the minute we stop searching for it is when the problem starts coming mm-hmm. The idea is just to constantly bump by and to find solutions reading books maybe if you look at the number of book clubs there are for men in our society is like next to nothing you know um because men don't they would rather just keep pushing themselves in gym or soccer and all of these things they wouldn't really try and address the one thing that they would they could I mean I know as a man i I always feared being vulnerable because I was always meant to believe if I become vulnerable then the woman that I'm with would probably find another man that's more masculine more masculine than me and and I didn't realize that actually I could find a woman that could, or a man that could find my 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 um, my vulnerability attractive. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think that's you know, the things that we have to just kind of get through.
0: Yeah, and you know, I think I was talking in, in my in the last season of the podcast, I was talking to a woman who works in women's activist spaces and she talks a lot about creating safe spaces for women to heal and to not keep having to reheal like you get wounded and you have to reheal and then just the trauma keeps getting triggered and i don't know of spaces where men are encouraged to do the same at least in south africa i don't i i would imagine they are somewhere but i don't think there are a lot of those spaces and the the, the the challenge I sometimes think with trauma is that I think everybody has experienced some kind of trauma it's not unique to a certain group of people but there has to be a place for people to feel safe enough to work through it and it's complex our feelings are complex our stories are so complex and you know it takes time and some people take longer than others and but I think the the beauty that we're even having this conversation is a sign that things are moving forward. You know, I, I remember someone explaining to me that you can be unconsciously incompetent. In other words, you have no idea that you have a problem. And then you can be consciously incompetent. So, you know, you have a problem, but you don't really know what to do about it. And then you're consciously unconsciously, no, consciously competent. So you're like, okay, I'm getting there, but I have to, put steps in place to get there and then you become unconsciously competent that it's just normal for you to be well and that takes time but I mean the 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 more I talk to people like you and other people I can see the very fact that you're having these conversations I can tell you my dad's generation did not have these conversations they were trying to survive and it is a miracle that they're still here and that they actually achieved something with their lives But I think the next generation is like, you know what? We want to be healthy people. We want to have relationships that function. We want to be feel good in our bodies and love ourselves and not have to mask our emotion with all these things. And that already is a step in the right direction. But then we want the step to be the direction to be wholeness. Do you know what I mean? So It's
1: so funny you say that because, you know, it's always spotted at a funeral. And I think that's where the healing is, is the fact that we were always meant to believe that exposing our, our true emotions is considered a weakness. Mm. You know, you'd see it, at a, you'd spot it at a funeral where if someone is crying, instead of giving somebody a full hug, there's always just like this tap on the shoulder, like, just don't expose yourself too much. Like, just deal with what you need to deal with in a more classier mm. manner. Mm-hmm. And I think that in itself is, is where, you know, the rise of these like broken individuals that just walk this earth beating and breaking other people is because there is no space for them to be who they want to be. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Well, from photography to this.
1: Right. My work is all about conversations.
0: Oh, well, it's definitely you've given me a lot of food to, for thought um thank you for taking the time i'm now going to have a look at the scissor. different <laughs> check out <laughs> like check out her song but um i'm always i want to end with this and say i'm always so th- this process has been, been very interesting to, for me and i should say kind of interviewing people actually started properly when i started this masculinity project because i've i worked with men Probably more than I work with women, and I I work with men that are beautiful, beautiful people. And some years ago, a very good friend of mine who actually passed away—he was very, very brilliant, brilliant man. And we were talking was from uh, West Africa. We were talking once, and I don't know how we got onto it, but he said, "You know, I feel emasculated every single day." And I thought, "What?" Because he was he was so successful. And it was something that stuck in my head for years. And so I started to probe this thing. And just like, how are people living in their own bodies? How are they feeling about themselves? They present, we present one way, but how do we feel really? And I wanted to talk to a range of men, different ages, you know, different sexualities, different backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera. Because I have... Like I say, I feel like I, I have been privileged to know so many beautiful, deeply feeling people. And um, do, through this project and even, you know, doing these interviews, especially with like people like you. And I interviewed Justice Michele and I interviewed Mateo and I know, you know, Mateo Moeng and all these people. Yeah. It's that um, really at the bottom of it all, I'm always reminded people are just people and people just want to be seen for who they really are and people want to be loved for who they really are and and that's not really got anything to do with gender it's just people it's like how i guess we have been made and doing these things always reminds me of that and i'm always like gosh people are deep and people are so interesting and now i'm gonna go and look at your work with very different eyes so thank you so much
1: give me this opportunity to to talk through my person
0: Yeah, it's been really amazing. So thank you, Leroy. I'm really grateful. I'm grateful too. Thank you once again to my podcast guest, Leroy Jason. Please be sure to explore his work and follow him on Instagram. I also included a link to the singing dog we spoke about, if you want to see for yourself. I hope you can hear from the interview that this really was a conversation between two curious people. I don't think either of us planned to talk about most of the stuff we did, I suppose part of my desire in seeking understanding is to talk about things, to ask questions out loud, to process out loud. I was concerned when I ended my call with Leroy that I may have started a conversation specifically with regards to trauma without creating safe parameters to explore painful or difficult things. I did follow up with Leroy after our call and he's fine, but it's also why I have included, like in episode one, links to support services and charities for men and women in the UK and South Africa. However, given the focus of our discussion, the organisations are geared towards men. The people I asked know the areas of mental health and sexual violence really well, so these organisations come recommended. For those of you in South Africa, I also asked a South African psychotherapist friend who studied and trained for many years in South Africa, and she advised that for those of you who are on medical aid, you may be able to apply for up to 15 therapy sessions. I think essential to our human beingness, if you like, is the ability to feel, and perhaps creative people, artists, we feel even more deeply. And I believe that to authentically create requires being connected to ourselves and our feelings, the good, the bad, the ugly, even the stuff that we're not able to articulate yet. It's why I'm passionate about creating safe spaces, safe spaces to create. I call them sacred spaces, namely beautiful, protected spaces where I can, you can, we can relax, heal, talk, learn, explore and create and ultimately just be. And so I'd love to hear from you. We'll be creating more ways for you to connect with us, but for now you can message us on Twitter or Instagram at holding up the ladder, hashtag H U T L. And by now you know that holding up the ladder is available on a range of different podcast platforms, including ACAST, SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Deezer. Please share, like, subscribe to the podcast and leave those comments that I was telling you about. And you can also donate to the podcast. Thank you so much to those of you who have done so already. Just click the link below. And I'm really excited to tell you about my guest next week. We'll be heading to Northern Canada where I'm speaking to a real musical hero of mine, songwriter and musician Pura Faye.
1: I got tired of singing
0: um, uh, jingles and, and
1: just doing all that. Or that studio work was I mean it was good and it paid me some Mm -hmm. but I wanted to jump into music like creating Mm -hmm. and one day I just started playing piano Mm -hmm. and I didn't even know I could play I just started
0: playing so um and it's the same with the guitar I had no idea how to play I just picked it up and just started playing until next time